Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everybody welcome into it this is the porch a volquest podcast volquest.com volquest on the youtube channel and of course we're going to be meeting with uh, former tennessee first baseman luke lipsius here in about 15 minutes you know you have that to look forward to every single week right here on the porch appreciate you guys for hanging out with us here today hey want to give a special shout out to our new title and presenting sponsor of the porch it is spivey king and spivey llp they specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. Problem? Let us find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers. Give them a call today for a free consultation. That's 423-245-4185. 423-245-4185 for a free consultation. It's Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Couldn't do the porch without our friends uh, over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. So uh, go ahead and check that out for sure. We got a lot to get into here today. Tennessee has returned home, had an undefeated week last week, uh, off to a great uh, great start here in the midweeks, and then you have Gonzaga on the horizon. So a lot going on right now before Tennessee gets to Gonzaga. Then you have uh, one midweek game next week. Then you have Moorhead State, uh, one midweek game the next week. And then, hey, you're in Columbia, Missouri for the start of Southeastern Conference play. It's kind of it's kind of moving rapidly here, right? I mean, you started the season a couple weeks ago, and you're out in Arizona. Then you return home, and it really just kind of kicked into high gear here. So uh, Tennessee's starting to kind of round into form. And that's because for the first time all season, Tennessee is at full strength, right? I'm going to throw my phone over here because it keeps vibrating. And I know that annoys you guys because it annoys me. Um, Tennessee's at full strength right now. Maui Ahuna, transfer shortstop from Kansas. He made his Tennessee debut on Tuesday after missing the first eight games of the regular season. All right, he manned the shortstop position. He hit sixth in the order. His first at bat, he nearly went yard of flying all the way out to the warning track in left field. Uh, he made a catch in the field, a little pop-up in, in, in the first inning. Um, was so eager for a ground ball later in that game that he went and took a, a ground ball away from Christian Moore on the on the right side of the infield, which I thought was hilarious. But Maui Ahuna comes back hitting sixth, and he's he's making his Tennessee de- debut, which I thought was huge. Now, uh, again, uh, just full disclosure, I'm recording this before the Wednesday midweek. Uh, Maui will not hit sixth the entire year. In fact, I don't think Maui will hit sixth much longer. I think he's going to go to the two hole, and I think you're going to put Christian Moore at three and Blake Burke at four. Uh, Maui could also lead off. Um, I'm a big believer that your best hitters need to be hitting at the top of the order. I mean, that's baseball one-on-one, right? I mean, your best hitter is Blake Burke, but also Blake Burke is your biggest RBI guy. So you don't want to hit him lead off, right? But you know, pretty much your, 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 your best average guy, your best hitter, you want them to get more and more and more and more and more opportunities. So that's why you see a lot of people, you know, bat their best guys lead off. 
Um, if it's not leadoff, maybe it's two. I just think it makes so much sense that Maui's up there in that number two hole or leadoff, but I bet it's going to be two before it's all said and done. Just creating more righty-lefty balance in that lineup and making it deeper, too, because, again, you take Maui out of six, you put him at two or leadoff, that means you're bumping some guys down. That means, like, the Zane Dentons and the Griffin Merritts are are now hitting sixth, I mean, fifth and sixth. I mean, it just it creates a lot more parity in that lineup, which I think is uh, uh, really, really good. So it's good to get Maui back. First and foremost, because um, Tennessee can now be complete and Tennessee can now kind of truly figure out who they are. And, and Maui is the best defensive shortstop in the league, right? I mean, he's probably got the best infield glove in the league. Um, he's an MLB prospect. He's so smooth and crisp at the field. Uh, he's going to be drafted. This guy's going to be playing in the big leagues one day, right? And so, you know, for that in itself, it's good to get him out there. Um, and it's it's good to see kind of kind of what he can do. Well, one other thing about Maui on Tuesday night when he when he got his first hit a part of a one for four night in a Tennessee uniform, um, that extended a hit streak to twenty games dating back to the end of his time at Kansas. Remember when he was at Kansas, he had three ninety six. Uh, he led the team in average, led the team in RBI, led the team with twelve stolen bags. He was on Sports Center's top ten plays twice for you know glove work in the infield. Again, he's really, really good, but the hit he had on Tuesday night extended his hit streak to 20. I actually tweeted out 21 because that's what Kansas's bio said on Maui, but uh, we went back and actually counted, and it's only 20. So or it was 19, and then Tuesday made 20. But nonetheless, I mean, that's that's really impressive, right? And I expect Maui just to continue to settle in and, and be a big part for Tennessee. So Maui's back, and that's huge. How did Maui get back? Well, Tony Vitello took a three-game suspension on Friday. Um, it was really interesting. You hear this, you hear this, you hear this and that, you hear this and that. And and what me and Brent discussed on the uh, the Rocky Top Rewind on Sunday night and what I discussed a little bit on my own personal podcast of, of Locked On Balls earlier this week, you hear things, you know things are going on, but until it becomes something, it's nothing, if that makes sense. Um, knowing that Tennessee's been talking to the NCAA for months now. I've, I've known that's been going on. Knowing that there were some questions regarding Maui Ahuna, and knowing that there were some questions um, about Tony Vitello if there was a suspension coming, if he was going to be able to coach the first couple games of the season. But as you continue to creep more and more towards the regular season, you know those, those questions kind of disappeared because it looked as if everything was going to be okay. Uh, Tony was coaching. Uh, and, and, you know, Maui was playing up until, you know, Tony said 24 hours before, before first pitch. And, and, you know, for me, it was up until that day. Right. Um, and then of course he, he was not as he was waiting eligibility clearance and all that. So there was nothing really to talk about or report on uh, until there was something. And then that was just that Friday. And then of course, you know, he plays and, or he doesn't play and he misses the first eight games of the season. Uh, Tony Vitello does coach comes back. He coaches the two midweek games and, you know, all this talk about Malibu is starting to really, really kind of heat up, heat up, heat up. And, you know, pe people discussing, people telling you things like, hey, watch out for Tony tonight. He might not be at the park. Hey, watch for Tony. There might be a suspension coming. Uh, but also, I was told, I know a lot of you guys are laughing at this, but I swear to God, I was told this, that uh, Tony was sick, you know, last week. And so he was he was going through it. It's kind of how it was uh, characterizing me. But anyway, it was like, hey, try to try to get eyeballs on Tony when you get to the ballpark. Because he may be sick, he may not be there. You know that might be a story for tonight. So as soon as I get there, I'll walk up to the press box, all up those uh, those flights of stairs, and um, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Don't see him. Get my binoculars out there, looking in the dugout, looking in the bullpen, and don't see him, don't see him, don't see him. Turn around to 
um, you know, Tennessee sports information, like, yo, 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 where's Tony? Where's, give me a statement. Give me a statement. Give me a statement. You know, having leads because I've been tipped off and, and having pretty much the story written, but needing that final confirmation or a second source. And, and ultimately it came, you know, right before first pitch happened and, and, um, you know, Tony wasn't there and, and you know, it got to the point too, to where you're sitting there and the, the guy on the, the PA announcer on the loudspeaker is, um, you know, coach by da, 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 assistant coach, Frank Anderson, you know, Quentin Everhart, strength and conditioning coach, uh, and led by Josh Elander. And it's like, you know, you didn't say head coach, but with the inflection in your voice, that's where Tony Vitello's name should be. So it's like, all right, yo, what's going on? What's going on? Obviously, Tennessee put out that statement and um, saying that I've uh, been in conversation with the NCAA to address a minor, uh, you know, minor violation within the, or they didn't say minor, but a violation within the program, yada, yada, yada. All that good stuff. And so Tony served his three-game suspension, and they said there would be an update on Monday. Well, the the thought process was, and that's why I kind of alluded to this on the board, I'm like, hey, Maui's going to be back soon. Maui might be back on Friday. I don't think I ever said, I don't think I ever said leading up to Friday or on Friday that Maui might be back today, but I kept on saying soon, soon, soon. Um, once Friday was over, I think I did kind of say, hey, I thought he was. I was told he was going to be cleared on Friday. Um, so because he wasn't cleared on Friday, he, you know, you're not going to get be cleared on Saturday and Sunday. Because I checked with this too, the NCAA packs up shop at the end of the work week. You know, they don't meet over the weekend, so it was going to be Monday at the at the earliest at this point. So um, I, I thought he was going to be cleared on Friday. So knowing that he was likely going to be cleared and eligible and ready to go on Monday, that's when you kind of wanted to wait for that news and then update about Tony Vatello, Maui gets his eligibility clearance, he's back in there, and then Tony Vitello's three-game suspension has been lifted, and he's back in the dugout, right? Um, again, I will say this. Um, and there's been some guys on the board asking about it and everything, and this is not me trying to start anything. This is not me trying to ensue a panic or anything, but the Tony Vitello suspension was a Tennessee thing. It was a Tennessee Tony Vitello thing. This was not the NCAA suspending Tony Vitello. So the Maui situation is done. It's over with. He's there. He's playing. That's, you know, sign still delivered. He's yours, okay? Down the line, the NCAA could do whatever they want to. They could suspend Tony Vitello or whatever. They are asking questions. They are inquiring into the Tennessee program, right? Um, so just like Brett and I spoke on the Rocky Top Rewind, anytime the NCAA is poking around and asking questions, that doesn't feel very good because what they're looking for this, but maybe they'll find this or maybe they'll find that. Um, it's really, really annoying, right? And so... Um, I'm not saying Tony's completely out of the woods yet in terms of the NCAA. I'm also not saying anything's going to happen for that. You know, if the NCAA decides they need to act, when will that be and how long will that be? I don't know. I don't know that. I don't, we don't have the answer to that right now. But uh, Tennessee would not put Tony Vitello back out in the dugout if they didn't feel comfortable doing so. And so that's what that's what they have, and that's what the, they did for sure. So um, that is that that is what that is right there. All right. So Maui is back. Tony Vitello is back in the dugout. And he's coaching and. And that's a good thing. One more thing on Tony Vitello. Someone was asking me what can he, what can and what he can't do while suspended. You can do everything that you are supposed to be doing and doing already as an as a as a head coach of a program um, throughout the week on game days and all that. But as soon as as soon as quote unquote pregame starts, you know whether that be an hour, ninety minutes. I, I guess it might be like whenever they go take BP. You got to leave the premises. You got to leave the premises. And as we'll speak on with Luke out here in just a moment, as soon as that last out is made, you can come back. So Tony can be in the locker room. Tony can be on the field and all that type of stuff on game day. But as soon as pregame begins, you have to leave. You have to stay gone. And then as soon as out number 27 is made, you can come back. That That is 
what he can and can't do. He cannot sit there and call. He cannot have any communication during the games or anything like that. But all his other head coaching responsibilities are in play, just not during that three-hour window of a, of a Tennessee baseball game. So uh, someone asked that. I hope I answered your question. Maui, Tony, I mean, those are the big stories of the week, right, obviously. But it's funny. Blake Burke, homeward again, drove in five. This is on a Tuesday night. And and it's unfortunate because he wasn't the main story leaving the ballpark, uh, you know, against uh, Charleston Southern. It was the return of uh, Tony and, and the debut of Maui and all that. But Blake Burke continues to tear the baseball, the cover off the baseball. It's incredible, man. Uh, he is showing patience. He's going opposite field home runs, um, looking really, really good in doing that. Going straightaway center. Um, man, it's really fun to watch his strength be put on display right now. Um, he is He's killing it. And, um he is, without a doubt, Tennessee's best hitter right now, and it is so much fun watching him uh, go to work. So I know the guy we're about to talk to, Luke Lipsius, he was a really good Tennessee baseball player, really good first baseman. Um, it's not like the drop-off of losing, losing a Jordan Beck and a, and a Drew Gilbert um, you know, for Tennessee this year because Tennessee lost a good player, Luke Lipsius, but you know Blake Burke is now you know manning that first base bag and and getting more and more consistent at bats and you know Tennessee's in a in a really really good spot there. The third outfield position is still is still looking. You know Dickey's going to be out there. Merritt's going to be out there. Um, it's Kyle Booker got the start on Tuesday's midweek game. He got the start on Friday against Dayton, but then you know didn't didn't start and got one pinch hit opportunity late in the Sunday game. Christian Scott did not get an opportunity to hit whatsoever over the weekend against Dayton. I mean, he came on as a defensive replacement. Dr- Dylan Dryling got uh, a start one of those one of those games. Hunter Inslee got a start uh, one of those games. Reese Chapman getting some pinch hit opportunities. Still trying to figure out that third outfield spot for Tennessee and what that may look like. And I wrote about it in the three two one. I think the veterans for Cal Booker, uh, specifically Cal Booker and Christian Scott's few and far between right now. That time that clock is ticking. Um, you've got to make do, and, and you know, and and trying to. Try to sol- try to stay in this race, really, because Kyle Booker's got all the talent in the world, all the talent in the world. He just has never consistently hit in a game time situation. So we'll see what happens there. He came on on uh, he got the start on Tuesday and had a one for four day. He did have a single, which was good to see. Um, but that third outfield spot, we're continuing to monitor and continue to look at that and see what all that is about. Uh, and then finally, I wanted to touch base on the bullpen here. Um, Tennessee is going to finish off the midweek. Have Gonzaga coming into town for this weekend. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, Blake Burke, and, and that's, you know, the third outfield spot. Those are kind of the storylines. Of course, Maui's back now. Tony Vitello's suspension. We know about the starting pitching and how, my goodness, last week against Dayton was fantastic. I mean, you had Chase Dolan or 12 strikeouts. One shot of a career high. Chase Burns, 12 strikeouts. That is a career high. And Drew Beam, just steady Eddie. Those guys are are really just fantastic right now here in the early going of this baseball season. But we talk about the starters so much, but, I mean, the bullpen has been just superb so far. Seth Halverson finally gave up his first uh, run after, uh, you know, appearing in three games that came on Tuesday. But, you know, so far this season, Seth Halverson, eight and a third innings, five hits or actually two runs. He gave up a run in his uh, debut outing as well. But uh, eight and a third, five hits, two runs, 10 strikeouts, one walk, um, 216 ERA. Seth Halverson's looking really, really good right now. Andrew Lindsay, uh, four innings pitched so far, three hits, uh, two runs, but neither one of those are earned. 
He's got a strikeout. He's got you know three appearances. He's looking really, really good. Kirby Cannell continues to just do Kirby things. He has four appearances, two innings and a third, three strikeouts, no walks, <laughs> and has come on and gotten big critical outs when needed. Jacob Bimby has come on and pitched a little bit. Bryce Jenkins, a guy that has appeared in a couple of games and has four strikeouts and no walks. Uh, and then Zach Joyce, who might be the most impressive of them all. He's pitched two innings and two-thirds at the time of this recording. So what is that, guys? Two innings, that's six outs, and two-thirds, that's eight outs. In eight outs, he has five strikeouts. And at one point in time, every out he had in a Tennessee uniform came via the strikeout. Um, he has been really good. Again, an ERA sits at zeros and three appearances, two and two-thirds, five strikeouts, no walks. Um, opponents are hitting .000 against Zach Joyce. So it's been really fun to watch this bullpen go to work. And like I'll ask Luke here in just a moment, this offense – and I'm not being disrespectful. I'm more or less tipping the cap to last year's team. What last year's team did was special, leading the nation in home runs, breaking program records for runs, and, and all that type of stuff. Like That doesn't happen every year. This team is not that team. This team will not be as explosive as that team, and that's okay because you can still win a hell of a lot of games. You know, you can still squeak out 5-2 to two wins or 4-1 to one wins or 6-3 to three wins. Like You can still win ball games that way, but you're going to have to rely on those pitching, those, that bull, those bullpen arms even more than what you have been and what you did last year. And I think Tennessee's got the horses to do it. I truly, uh, truly, truly do. So that's some good stuff in that regard. And uh, Tennessee's bullpen is looking like it's in midseason form right now as uh, Tennessee currently... 7-2 on the season, heading in, heading into the final midweek game, and uh, Gonzaga will come up this weekend. All right, so uh, it's been fun to kind of you know touch base and talk Tennessee baseball a lot so far here in the early going. We will talk with Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman, when we return right here on the porch. It's an every Thursday podcast right here at VolQuest.com. But, hey, guys, I want to tell you about our proud, proud sponsor, brand new to the porch and to VolQuest.com. And big baseball fans, great guys who run an outstanding practice. It is Spivey King and Spivey LLP. The three partners, Matthew Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey, they formed this partnership in 2012, but they've been at the same location in Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee for 43 years, okay? They are specializing in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. The motto is problem. Let us find a solution. TN trial lawyers. They specialize again with it, with the criminal defense, family law, and personal injury examples of that. Maybe you're going through this. Maybe one day you will, and you know who to call, but the examples of this, they specialize in DUI, homicide, assault, sexual offenses in state and federal courts, divorce, custody, alimony, parental rights, personal injuries, such as car wrecks, accidents, or injuries. Over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. Practice has been in place, again, like I said, for 43 years with this partnership forming in 2012. Also having partners that are energized for today's most modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as surrounding counties like Hawkins County, Washington County, and more here in the East Tennessee area. The firm has won multiple awards and has attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience whether you're injured in a car accident need a divorce help with custody of your children or have been accused of a crime they are there to help at spivey king and spivey llp 
Go see them in person today at 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. That's 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee. Or give them a call right now for a free consultation. That is 423-245-4185. A free consultation at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. 423-245-4185. And can always check them out on their website at SpiveyKingandSpiveyLLP.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Luke, so kind of an interesting week, right? Tony had to sit for three games. Maui ended up missing eight games before he came back and made his debut Tuesday night against Charleston Southern. Uh, what, what do you make about all this? A lot of distractions, but Tennessee kept its head down and just kept on playing. Yeah, I think uh, that's one really good thing that you can see that came out of this. Um, first off, V having to sit out for three games, I think it helped Maui get back in. So that just shows you what kind of coach he is. You know, he's literally willing to take one for the team. Um, in order to get one of his players back. But then the fact that the guys didn't seem rattled by it at all um, is a really good sign. You know, there's been times that when a coach leaves a game, when a star player leaves a game, you know, a team tends to crumble a little bit. But they, I didn't see any of that from them. Um, and I know that V was extremely excited that they got the sweep, uh, even with him not being there. You know, you, you've you've been a leader uh, on this uh, in this program for, for games where Tony's not been there, and I know like it was just kind of here or there, ejection, you have to serve a one-game suspension and all that. Uh, but as a leader of this program, when your head coach is not there, kind of how do you go about things? How is it different, and how are you trying to make it seem like it's not different and trying to like lead the rest of your, your team? Well, they do a really good job of giving the players a lot of uh, room to, to be free. And so um, as far as decisions about the lineup and maybe a hit and run here and there, V's really there just to be a presence, you know? Um, and he, he sometimes hypes us up, but really it's, it's up to us. And, and we've been really good uh, in, in the past at keeping everything even keel or maybe even getting a little too, a little excited when we need to that kind of deal. So as far as playing without him, it's not that much different. I will say though, uh, after a couple of his ejections and us winning the series have been some of the best celebrations I've been a part of. So uh, he's uh, he does a really good job at making a comeback after he's out for a couple of games. Yeah, kind of on that. How, how are those um, celebrations? Because, I mean, once you get ejected from a, from a game, you have to leave the premises, essentially. But as soon as that last out is made, you can come right back. So, like, Drew Gilbert last year, you know, against Notre Dame, you know, when, when he gets ejected, he has to leave, but he can come right back. And so how, how are those moments whenever a, a guy or a coach or whoever's kind of kicked out, but then, you know, as soon as it's over, they come right back. And if it's a win and, and you mentioned those celebrations, they feels like they probably mean a little bit more. 
Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, they don't come in quietly. <laughs> it usually involves <laughs> um, storming into the little tunnel we have and us doing a little, I don't know, jump around, scream thing. Uh, I think one year, my or one uh, one time, my sophomore year, I think he got ejected for the Kentucky series, and he came in. Um, I don't know how much clothes he was wearing. It was hard to see. And he did a, a full on WWE, WWE performance with a chair in our team room. So if that tells you anything about the, the kind of passion he brings and how fired up he gets. Um, yeah. So the, those celebrations get pretty fun. How important is it to get Maui back? Uh, he came back on Tuesday and, um, you know, trying to ease him back in the lineup, hitting him sixth. Um, that's not going to be permanent, but put him out there at shortstop. He was so eager to get a ground ball. He took one away from Christian Moore. Um, but I, again, I mean, there's no sugarcoating. He's going to be one of the best players in the league. And this is the Southeastern conference. There's a lot of good baseball players here. How important was it to get him back after eight games? Oh, it's extremely important. You know, for him, the the rest of the team, you can see them settling in. Um, and so as a guy who hasn't been playing with them, I know that one, he's going to be really amped to get back. And it seemed like he was, um, and then for two, just to make sure that he is settled in before the gauntlet of the SEC. And so even though he missed those first eight games, he still has plenty of time to get back in there. Um, and then, of, of course, for the team, it adds another bat in the lineup. It adds a very solid defender, really good runner. Um, so it, I feel like everything will feel a little bit more whole with him in the lineup. I remember watching and thinking like, geez, this lineup does not give you a breath, um, especially through those first six hitters. But then what I really liked was V DHing uh, Jazz Love uh, for at least his first AB, you know, kind of as what seemed to me like a, a thank you for for playing as well as you did while Ma Maui's at, Maui was out. Um, but like I said, if, if Jazzy hits, he'll be in there. Um, they got plenty more options now. You saw Cal get in. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's looking good, and I feel everyone will feel a little bit more, let's say, comfortable and maybe a little bit more whole now that he's back. Yeah, is it kind of a sense of – all right, you can just kind of like take a deep breath. I mean, it's not like you can't worry about that. You got to go out and do a job. And so, I mean, that's what Tennessee did out in Arizona and coming back last week, a 5-0 and week and all that. Uh, you just got to put your head down out and go play. But if you're a member of this team, is it kind of just like a, like, a, like a sigh of relief? It's like, okay, now we can finally get going because we can figure out who we are, what our lineup looks like because V's back and, and Huna's in here. And, and now we're at full strength. And I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, while you're um while everyone's not in you can do as much as you can to settle in to find your roles all that stuff but until you have every piece you know the puzzle doesn't come together and so now that everyone's back i think they can really get on a roll they can really start uh, settling in showing themselves um and and playing to their full potential which i'm i'm really excited to see it's a great time to be on the right track as uh sec approaches in what is it 3 3 weeks i think it is yeah. Um, so it's it's a great time that he got back, V's back. Um, I think they're going to be full steam heading into today and then the weekend. A little less than three weeks, actually. It's going to be here before you know it. Mm -hmm. um, you brought up Jazz Love a moment ago. Tell us about Austin Jazz Love. He's a local guy. Uh, I know you played with him for a couple of years. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is his third year in the program. Mm -hmm. um, but a local guy and you know was called on. His number was called because Maui wasn't there, came in, played shortstop, play, ha has a good glove. He actually drove in six runs over the course of the first eight games of the season, which I didn't 
expect and that that's mm-hmm. that's awesome and and i like you i think that was a nice little hat tip saying hey thank you for for what you did and and i think he'll get some more abs the rest of the way but i mean now that maui's back that's a spot but uh what, what did you think about austin jazz loves play uh, the first little bit of the season during maui's absence yeah, you know, so I was completely surprised. So Jazzy's first year, um, he, I think, redshirted, so he wasn't around all that much, you know, kind of a gray shirt situation, whatever it was. Last year, he was around, but of course, he wasn't getting that many reps, um, hitting-wise at least. And so all of us are thinking, okay, he's, he's um, most likely going to transfer. He's going to do something else. Well, he ended up staying around, and everything I heard from his fall was, and even spring training camp was that, he's good. Like he's been hitting the ball. Well, he's been playing defense well. And so he's always been good at uh, pretty good at defense. But I think when Maui went out uh, and Jazzy came in, he did such a good job of not letting the moments get too big and really just sticking to who he was. And you saw that he had great production. I don't think he made a single error either. um, Except for maybe that one throwing error or whatever, whoever that went to, but regardless, like coming in with that composure, uh, you can tell that he was waiting for his time. And and like you said, I don't think this will be the last we see of Jazlov, especially if he keeps doing what he does. You know, six RBIs in eight games is pacing about 40-ish, which is a really quality season. Um, so what what he did in Maui's absence is is fantastic. And so I, I think we'll see some more of him. Yeah, I think I – think- I'm not looking it up right now, but I'm pretty sure he got charged with a throwing error at Grand Canyon. But still on that play, I think we talked about it last week. I mm-hmm. mean, that 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 specific play is something that Burke's got to come down with. Um, he had a base running blunder in that game as well, just trying to make a play. He got away for the first baseman and I guess didn't realize how close the wall was and got thrown out. But uh, I, uh, I've i been impressed uh, with the way he's played for Tennessee in the absence. Um, and, and hopefully, again, that's a – you know, that's that's a right-handed bat option where there's few and far between on this team. Hopefully he'll get some more opportunities in pinch hitting or, or DAs down the line because I think he's earned it. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that is just, I mean, just beating the hell out of the baseball right now is Blake Burke. Um, I know we talked about it last week. I know you're not surprised, but dude had two two solo home runs on Sunday. He had a career-high five RBI on Tuesday. Um, he is quietly too it's funny because you left the ballpark on tuesday and you had blake burke who had a career night but i mean wasn't even the story the story was v's back and and you got maui Mm -hmm. and so no one really even talked about blake burke it was the quietest five rbi night i think i've ever seen in my life uh what why is he hitting the ball so well right now when can you just talk about the the groove that he's in yeah well i i think i'm gonna speak on uh nobody talking about him he for whatever reason is just getting overlooked um for these preseason accolades people aren't respecting him whereas anyone who's been around him knows that he's gonna possibly hit 30 home runs this year um and so i think what puts him in the groove is just his swing and his composure he's up there taking ABs like he's been in the league for as long as I was, you know, and so nothing really phases him. And then, of course, when he hits it, you know, it goes a long way. He's such a strong guy, um, really, really good hands. I remember times where he would be in the cage single-handed with his normal size bat hitting off a machine coming in at 90. Um, and so if that just tells you anything of, of how big and strong he is, um, that's a little story. But to your point, we were talking literally yesterday how all of his home runs have come off a lefty and are either to left center or center. 
And of course, last night, what do you know? A lefty comes in, he hits one left center. And I'm just like, come on, Burke, when are you going to get one to right off of a righty? Um, but yeah, what, what he's doing is special and he's going to have such a fun season. Uh, and I think as we ride into SEC play, he's going to finally get some of that um, notice from other SEC teams, from other teams. And But I don't think it'll phase him at all. Maybe his blocks will go up a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I understand the whole preseason thing because, I mean, even though – Gosh, how many home runs did he hit last year? I mean, it was, was double. It was ten, four, wasn't it? Fourteen homers in a hundred ABs. If you yeah, stretch it out to a full season, it, it projects to like forty, which is incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember, like, but he was still a part-time player, which is just mind-boggling. Exactly. Um. So I kind of get it in terms of that respect, but like, I mean, he's gonna, he's not gonna be overlooked much longer. He is, he is Tennessee's best hitter right now. It's not even close. Uh, from a pure hitting perspective, I love him hitting in the three hole because I think he's Tennessee's best hitter. Of course he's powerful, but he's hitting to the opposite field. He's hitting to straightaway center. Um, he's being patient. Um, I love him hitting three. Now I think eventually he's going to be Tennessee's cleanup hitter because I think eventually now he's going to go to two. Mm-hmm. They're going to put that right-handed bat with uh, with more at three and it's just going to create a little bit more balance. What do you like about him hitting? And, and do you think he, um, I mean, obviously I think he'll do well at hitting four, but I just, I love him hitting three. What do you think? I think the, the the best hitter needs to hit three in every lineup, and I think that's Blake Berg. That's 100% correct. Uh, I think that three hole is for RBI guys. Uh, historically, in every single place you go, the three guy is who has the RBIs. The four guy, of course, you call him cleanup because he kind of cleans up if the three guy, let's say, doesn't get it done or maybe leaves a, a runner stranded. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Berg will stay in that three hole um, for as long as they can. Um I think they what Vias love to do is rotate lefty righty lefty righty um which is what they're doing now. I could see him moving to the four hole if they if they bring Maui up a little bit. Um it would be interesting to see cuz I I know V doesn't want to go three lefties out the gate. Um but I I think he's just doing such he's doing such a good job in that three hole of producing when guys get on and also when no one's on, you know, he's making runs by himself by hitting it 500 feet. Um, so I, I love him in that, in that three hole too. We'll see what happens as Maui moves around, but I, I think he's going to be there for a while. We didn't get to touch base on this last week. I don't believe because it was the, it was the Wednesday game, but Oh man, how about Charlie Taylor? Uh, I, I mean, I mean, what, what, what a, what a night he drove in five, I believe had two home runs. He was a double mm-hmm. shy of the cycle. Um, everybody's talking about Cal Stark, rightfully so uh, Cal Stark's bat is going to be in the lineup the majority of the week. Say there's four games, it's going to be in there three games, mm-hmm. whether it's catching or DH or whatever. But, I mean, it's always going to be a split job behind the plate with Charlie Taylor leading it off, in my opinion. And I feel like that Wednesday game last week just kind of shut everybody up. It's like, okay, I understand this is not LSU, but, I mean, for you to hit two home runs, drive in five, have a double shot of the cycle, it's like, okay, this dude can actually hit. And we just hadn't seen him hit a whole lot throughout his Tennessee career. But this year has been different. What have you liked about Charlie Taylor that game and really – so far here in the early season. Well, he's he's a fan favorite. You know, he's so easy to get behind. A great guy, works so hard, and it's so awesome to see all of his hard work pay off. As far as baseball goes, it is very, very um, confidence instilling when your catcher, who's a very good defensive catcher, can also hit. You know, I know that was a big question mark coming into the season of if we're going to have our best defensive lineup, it won't be our best offensive lineup. Now that Charlie's hitting, uh, it's looking like the lineup can switch between Cal 
and Charlie, and they won't miss a beat. So as far as that goes, it just opens up a lot more possibilities. You can throw Callen there to DH when, Ch- when Charlie's uh, catching, and you don't have to feel worried that that nine hole is just uh, an automatic out. Um, so as far as that goes, I think it makes everyone relax a little more. And then just to see him doing so well, it makes my heart happy. I think after that game, I, was, I sent him a nice text or whatever, just congratulating him on a, on a career day. But it's, it's awesome to see him doing so well. I'm sure his inbox was full after that game for sure. A um, couple more here. I, I want to ask you about earlier in your career because you were you were pretty much the the everyday first baseman the last couple of years you were here. But earlier in your career, you were fighting for reps. You were fighting for at bats just like everybody else. Look at a guy like Forrest Tears who he's waited you know th- two seasons, three seasons just to get in a bat, and then you get in there and like he's got like four four hits so far this season and, and two of which have been for extra bases, but they're just pinch hit opportunities right now. They're just coming on in the fifth of the sixth inning in, in place of the DH or in place of uh, an outfielder. He logged a couple innings in the outfield the other day. Um, how difficult is it for that guy to just stay positive and stay, uh, you know, stay the course when you are producing, but you're hardly getting any opportunities? Yeah. So I think that, it's, it's really tough mentally. Um, the coaches do a really good job of making sure that you're not thinking too much about yourself. So um, I'm sure he knows what's going on is the best for the team. But what is good for him and what can kind of drive him is, you know, the Trey Lipscomb story. It's almost the same thing. He waited, he bided his time, and then he came out, had an explosive season, got drafted uh, third round, um, all that good stuff. So if there's any reason for him to wait around, that's it right there. And so I think that while he may not be getting the reps and when he does get, get in, he does well, uh, it's just so competitive. And I don't think his outfield glove is good enough to make him a mainstay this season. However, I, I think we'll see him working and, and they love him as a guy. They love his bat. and so strong, really good hand eye. Um, and so we'll see him in, in some more pitching capacities, maybe a few weekday starts, um, even maybe a Sunday start. But as, as far as full-time everyday play this year, I would say not looking good, but he's going to bide his time. He's going to be be around next year and hopefully hopefully have a breakout season. But what he's been doing as far as pinch hitting and producing, um, coming in like that, being young, it's it's great to see. It's unfortunate, too, because, uh, I mean, he's a left-handed bat, which is, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but, like, Tennessee has so many of those. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, you could be that key righty off the bench. It's like, well, no, I'm, you know, I hit the hitting lefty. <laughs> yeah, so. got to learn how to switch it. Yeah, yeah, for real, like uh, like Zane didn't. Um, all right, so I, I, one observation I have here in the early going of the season, and and this is this is not intended to be disrespectful to the current team because, I mean, you can be really really good, but you you might not be as explosive as you guys were last year. And that team last year was a was a fun and special team. The mm-hmm. home runs, the runs. I mean, you broke program records. You were leading the NCAA this year. I feel like the offense is not going to be as explosive, but I still don't think Tennessee's kind of turned it on yet. But even when they do, I don't feel like it's going to be as explosive. I feel like you're truly going to have to rely on those arms even more than what you did last year, but to, to squeak out those five to two wins, those four to one wins. Um, kind of what, what say you about that? I feel like this team is built to do that because you have so many powerful arms. Um, but just because you're not, you know, scoring 10, 11 runs in every non-conference game. It doesn't mean you can't hit. That doesn't mean you're a bad team. It's just what you guys did last year was so special. 
Yeah, that is so true. I think that's what people forget is that last year was an anomaly. That just that doesn't happen in a baseball season. Um, so what happened last year should not be taken as a standard by any means. Um, and I think Tennessee fans have a habit of comparing this team to last year, saying, hey, you guys aren't hitting five home runs a game, putting up 12 a game. Why do you guys suck? And so <laughs> by no by no means does our offense currently um, – need anything to worry about you know they have they have so much talent in the lineup they they do have a fairly good amount of experience um in in Denton and and for sure Merritt and then a couple of other guys Burke and Simo so they're they're gonna score their runs they haven't hit their stride yet um they're gonna be just fine when we get to SEC play like you said it won't be as explosive um except for when when Burke hits balls 500 feet I think everyone's gonna get up and cheer for that but you know we lose Big time, um, big time excitement, guys, in in Gilby and Lipscomb, Cortland, you know, all those guys who fire you up, you know, they do stuff to get you going. Um, and so it's not that this team doesn't have as much passion or excitement. It's just, you know, it's it's different. And I think once they settle into their own, we'll see maybe a little bit more run production. But yeah, I don't think that any any team is going to be as explosive as, as last year's. Before there was a Luke Lipsius, there was an Andre Lipsius. Give us uh, out the door. Give us an update on your brother. He's in big league camp right now and looks like he's doing well. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing really well. He started uh, big league camp. I think his first game was last Saturday. He hit a homer in his very first big league game. Um, and then I think he had a double last night. So he's doing really well, enjoying it up there. And I'm hoping to see him in a Tigers uniform uh, at least halfway through the season this season. So it'll it'll be great. That's uh, that, That's awesome. That's really, really good to hear. Luke, as always, man, great stuff. Appreciate you stopping by here on the porch. Uh, we'll do it again next week, and uh, by then we'll see if Tennessee's in double-digit wins. Got Gonzaga coming up this weekend. Got to finish off the midweek here. But uh, great stuff as always, Luke. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you again uh, next week. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I, I can't wait, and I look forward to this week. All right, that is VFL Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman, uh, here on the porch, fallquest.com. Hey, guys. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to the Porch of AllQuest podcast with Luke Lipsius, doing it all season long every Thursday right here at VolQuest.com. And uh, it's been a whole lot of fun so far. We've been kind of breaking down what Tennessee's done throughout the season so far, what they're kind of looking like, who the next opponent is, uh, breaking down the play, breaking down the Tony Vitello suspension, the Maui Ahuna situation, all that and more. We're going over it here on the porch each and every week. Uh, and a big thank you to our new sponsors, <clears throat> excuse me, of the porch and to Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Problem? Let us find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers. If you want to give them a call today for a free consultation, pick up the phone, dial 423-245-4185. Again, a free consultation for Spivey King and Spivey LLP, 423-245-4185 specializing in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. Could not do the porch without our friends at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Hey, same time, same day next week. We'll be out on the porch right here at VolQuest.com. Appreciate you guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.